Isaiah chapter 26, verses 1 through 4. He says, In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nations, the keepsake, may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And I want to speak to you from, from this passage this morning about this idea of perfect peace. How many of you realize that we live in a world that is trying for peace? I mean, it is everywhere, isn't it? You've got Israel at, at war with God, the Gaza Strip there, and you've got uh, things going on in Iran, you've got things going on in Syria, you've got this ISIS group traveling through Iraq and overtaking cities. We read in the news about uh, Christians being tortured and beheaded for their faith overseas. In our own country here, you've got Ferguson, Missouri, where people are rioting and leaving in the streets because of a, a young man that was shot. Uh, we are crying out for peace. And just this last week, many of you are probably shocked by the news of Robin Williams and him ending his life. And You know, we can say so much about it, and I know people have talked about why he did it and what caused him to do it and all of these things. But ultimately, I think what we need to draw from this is that people are hurting. That we live in a world just that people are hurting and they're longing for peace. And the Bible tells us that Christ came and he can give us peace. And only he can give us this perfect peace that we're talking about. Um, he says, I'm going to give perfect peace to the one whose mind is stayed on you or fixed or focused on God. That's the key to this peace. He said to set your mind on him, set your affection on him, the Bible says. Uh, and then he uses this phrase here in this passage, he says, um, because he trusts in you. That the one who receives this perfect peace is going to receive it as a result of his trusting in Christ as your Savior. How many of you, uh, I don't know if it's an age thing as we get older, but how many of you find it hard sometimes to concentrate? Is that, is that just, am I headed that direction? It's just going to come, isn't it? I'll be 48 next month, so I'm, I'm assuming it's all downhill from here. But do you ever have those moments when it's just hard to concentrate on anything? That uh, all these things in the world, all these turmoils, all these troubles, they just kind of weigh on you, and you're constantly thinking about these things. We look at the economy in our country, and we think about that, and we think, how am I going to... How am I going to make ends meet? And then you think, how are my kids going to make ends meet? And then you think, man, if they can't make ends meet, they're going to depend on me to make ends meet. And you stress about that. And, and we just stress about things and we worry about things. A few weeks ago in our Wednesday morning Bible study, it's predominantly seniors that attend that, although it's not just a senior's Bible study. But we have a, a tradition we do. We kind of go around the room and we just check in with everybody. Hey, how's things going at uh, this household? How's things going over here at the Jackson household? And, and everybody kind of checks in, says what's going on, and some prayer requests. And we go around the circle, and finally someone the other day said, and Pastor, you always skip your turn. We want to hear. And, uh, you know, I kind of, who are you? Don't just be quiet. Leave me alone, you know. <laughs> kind of caught me off guard. And, and I, I sat in there just for a split second, but the immediate thought was, pray for me to be able to focus. Because, uh, you know, we all carry things, and, and I carry them too. And, and over the last several weeks, I've just had a hard time focusing. So if you've been coming in here thinking, man, that pastor's a dingbat. It's, it's, it's not permanent. It's just focusing on things. Lots going on. And we all got lots, lots of stuff going on, don't we? Some of us have, you know, just everything that happens in our life. And it gets tough to focus. And uh, as I mentioned that prayer request, it felt good to say it, and it felt good to have some folks pray for me. But I went away from that, and that afternoon I was sitting and studying, and the Lord just said, hey, 
you need to just focus on me and quit worrying about all these other things. And that sounds very easy, but sometimes it's difficult, isn't it? But the reward, if we can train ourselves and discipline ourselves to, instead of focusing on our trials, our struggles, our difficulties, if we focus on God and His goodness and His loveliness and His grace and His strength and His mercy and His power, all of a sudden these other things don't mean a whole lot. My little struggle, and, and our struggles are real, aren't they? Every one of us have them. How many of you woke up this morning to a stiff back? Raise your hand real high. Let me hear you groan when you do it. Ugh. We woke up, and, and, and I did that this morning, and I walk in, and Sister Joan's back there, and, and I said, how are you doing? She says, I'm doing good. And I said, you don't seem like you're doing good, so I'm worried about my husband. Is his back really hurts bad. And I said, he always makes me feel bad about complaining about mine. Because he can barely get in here. And he comes in and he sits and he endures it and he goes home. But, uh, amen, there's always someone worse. But we still have our trials, don't we? And we can look around and we can see people that are struggling with illnesses. And we think, who am I to complain about my thing? Because this person has that and this one's got that. And I don't at least have. But we all have something going on, don't we? And then we worry about one another, don't we? I know for me as a pastor sometimes uh, uh, I know things that maybe isn't out to the whole congregation, but I know things going on in people's lives, and, and sometimes I go home at night and I lay on the pillow and, and I just think about these things. And I pray and I say, God, what, what is going on here? Why are you doing, why is this happening in this person's life? God, you need to intervene. And, and we just pray and we pray and we're constantly thinking of all these things going on around us. This week when I mentioned Robin Williams and that took place and and, uh, boy, there's some remarkable quotes that have been put out there. But um, one of the persons mentioned, well, what are we going to do with depression? And it uh, just kind of dawned on me. And they made this statement that people many times that are hurting out there, if they can't find love and acceptance and help and support in the church, where will they find it? And all of a sudden, it just kind of dawned on me, and God put some people on my heart that, that I hadn't talked to in a while. And I, I picked up the phone over the next few days and made one after other, these calls. And, and they're calls that, to be honest, sometimes I have avoided because they tend to be real long visits and long calls because they got a lot to share. But I said, Lord, if, if that's what you want, just an hour on a phone where my ears burn, if that's it, God, then that's worth it. You see, we all carry these things. And, and many times it's the cumulative effect of everything of all the stuff going on in the world, all the stuff going on in our country, all the stuff going on in our community, all the stuff going on in, in our family and friends' lives, and, and we stress about these things, and, we, and it's hard for us to concentrate. Distractions abound, don't they? They're everywhere. And we've all got distractions. Some of them are very common distractions, things that keep our minds off Christ. Matthew, and we'll read that text in just a little bit, but in Matthew, Jesus talked about the things that we think about sometimes or what are we going to eat, what are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? Where are we going to live? And we, these are common distractions that we all think about. But we'll see in a little bit, Jesus said, quit worrying about those things. Quit stressing over those things. Focus on me. Seek first the kingdom of God. And he says, I'll take care of those things. And how many of us are guilty of spending too much time obsessing over these types of things? And the reality is, God has always provided, hasn't he? He's always provided. He's always had a meal for us to eat. He's always had clothes for us to wear. He's always had a way for us to get where we needed to go. God takes care of his children. And then there are career distractions. How many of you get distracted with work issues? You know, either you don't like your work or, or you know, you don't have the work. 
or maybe you need a different boss, or maybe your boss needs to let you go so you can get a different boss, but, but we think about work all the time, and, and it can be very distracting. In fact, some folks have a, a problem letting go of work, don't they? They go to work all day, and they punch the clock, and, and they take it home with them. And then they sit at home during dinner, and they're obsessing over what's going on at work, and what needs to get done at work, and all these things, and, and I, I'm preaching to the choir. I have a job that's kind of like that. You don't just leave the church at five and it's done, it's over, it carries on. But work distraction. And then there's family distractions. Family distractions, things that distract us from trusting in God. We worry about our family and we, 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 we're just thinking about them. They, they take away our attention, don't they? Uh, if you're a parent here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How can I focus on God when I've got a two-year-old running around? How can I focus on God when i got a two-year running around that has lost the diaper and no telling what they're spreading everywhere? How do I focus? And we just stress over that. Do you ever remember when you were young and had no gray hair and you'd look at mom and dad and say, I wonder why their hair turned gray? And now that you have children, you begin to understand very quickly why their hair turns gray. You begin to wonder, how come grandparents are so tired and old all the time? And then as parents, you realize, I'm headed that way very quickly. Because our kids will wear us out. But there are family distractions. Issues with our our mates and and concern over them. And then there are just the world event distractions, things that take place. And then there are personal distractions. All of these things try to capture our attention, and and we're focused on these things when we should be focusing on God. And maybe those personal distractions for you this morning are financial struggles, maybe they're marriage issues, maybe they're health issues, but these are personal things that we carry about that maybe like in this song there's this pain and there's these burdens that we carry that no one else sees, but nevertheless they distract us from a loving God that all along says, if you just turn these things over to me, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Psalms 112 and verses 7 through 8 says this, He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. I posted that verse to my Facebook and someone asked me this morning, Did you get some bad news? And I said, I didn't get bad news. But I'm not afraid of bad news either because I trust the Lord. And that's what the the psalmist is saying is when we have our heart that is firmly planted in Christ, that we trust God with everything and our heart is steady, that we don't have to fear anything. The bad news can come, but God's still with us. And in, in reality, when we believe in the sovereignty of God and that He is in control of all things, it almost makes you wonder if we could even classify it as bad news or just another chapter that God is leading us through in this life. He's not afraid of bad news because his heart is firm. His heart is firm and is trusting in the Lord. And so this morning as we talk about this idea of perfect peace in an imperfect world, uh, what is perfect peace? Let me just share with you this. Perfect peace is not the absence of trouble. This idea of this perfect peace that God keeps us in, we could be right in the middle of a storm and be at peace with God. This peace that he talks about is a peace that that is beyond all understanding, the New Testament says. It's peace in the midst of the storm. The old hymn said, though the angry surges roll. And he goes on to say, my anchor holds. This is the peace. This is this perfect peace. 
Charles Stanley said this about perfect peace. He says, it is an inner sense of contentment and quietness, regardless of life's circumstances. It is steadfast confidence in our ever-faithful, immutable, heavenly Father. It is the presence of joy in the midst of unhappiness. And so when he says, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, what God is saying is if we will just stay fixed on him, focused on him, trusting in him, our feet planted on the rock, that we can go through some very difficult times in this life and still have peace in our hearts. That even as we sit here this morning, whatever the burden is that we're carrying, if we can just focus on God, there's a peace that just takes over. A few weeks ago I had George Avila come over and he brought Hoel with him and they were swimming. I may have talked about this, but it's still to this day it's this this idea of faith that this little child has, but we put on this little life vest on him, and man, that thing, I don't think you could sink him if you put a 10-pound bag of potatoes to his feet. You're just not going to sink him with that thing. And he put him in, and you're holding him up, and I said, I'm going to let go. No, 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 I don't want you to let go. But finally, when he let go, he realized, this thing's holding me up. I'm still in the water. It's still deeper than I am tall. But all of a sudden, there was a peace that just overtook him. And then he became kind of fearless. Don't you suppose that when we put our complete trust in God, that's the kind of feeling we ought to have? That we can still be in deep water. We can still be in the midst of the storm. But we've got this perfect peace. Because we know that he's Let me give you some sources of this perfect peace. The first one is our Heavenly Father is the source of this peace. God is the source. You're not going to find peace in this world. You're not going to find peace in the things of this world or the, the people that are in this. But we find peace ultimately in our Heavenly Father. Psalms 121, and I love the, this entire chapter. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you from your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Now, if that doesn't give us peace in the midst of the storm, I don't know what does. He says in the the darkest of the night, God doesn't sleep, he doesn't slumber, he spends his time and energy and efforts focused on keeping us. And when you read through that, it's amazing how many times he uses that word keep, and we have to trust that God can keep us, that he can sustain us. Another passage of scripture, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, we referred to, in fact, we won't read the whole thing if we drop down a little ways, He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? He says, the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He gives this wonderful discourse and talks about what we worry about, and he describes the flowers, how that God clothes them, and the birds of the air, they don't do anything, and yet God takes care of them. And he says, don't you realize that your Heavenly Father is going to take care of you? That ought to be a source of peace in our life, that God provides for us. In 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, he says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And then verse 7, he says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I can have peace in this world because I serve a God who cares for me. And in fact, in his word, he teaches me to cast all of my anxieties, all of my worries on him because he cares for me. But I always include verse 6 when I read this passage because I think one of the keys and one of the reasons we miss out on peace so much is verse 6, he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. A lot of times we struggle and we miss peace in our life because pride gets in the way and we think we've got to have control of everything. We think we've got to make sure everything works out just right and, and it's all on us. And God comes along and he says, wait a minute, humble yourselves. And when we humble ourselves, he says, be willing to cast all your cares on him. But we are so filled with pride sometimes, aren't we? I don't need anybody's help. I don't need you to do that for me. I don't need this. I, and you know, the reality is we all need help, don't we? And we desperately need the help of God who is willing to help. And he says, humble yourself. Philippians 4 gives us some keys to trusting God and the peace that he brings in our life. He says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't stress. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then what does he say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And this passage points us right to that, doesn't it? In fact, he gives us a few things there. Number one, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And that might be one of the most important things we do in the midst of the turmoil that we live in, is take time to worship God and to rejoice in the Lord. To sing of his goodness, to sing of his greatness, to sing praises to him. Just take the time to rejoice in the Lord. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And then reveal your faith. He says, let your reasonableness be known to all men. He says, let everyone know what you're about and that you trust God that you're not frantic, that you're not out of control, that you trust the Lord. And then he says, request God's help. He says, let your request be made known unto God. So the Father is a great sense of peace, source of peace. The Holy Spirit's a source of peace, isn't it? And in the Baptist church, we get a real quiet there, don't we? But we believe in the Holy Spirit, don't we? When you got saved, you received the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, all three in one. Amen? Jesus wrote your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Father's waiting for you in heaven. And the Holy Spirit took up residence in your heart and in your life. And whatever you learn, you learn because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And whenever you're convicted of sin, you're convicted because the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. Whenever you make the right moves, you need to understand that it is the Holy Spirit that's guiding and directing you as a believer. The Holy Spirit's active in our lives. And we find perfect peace when we begin to understand that. In fact, in Galatians 5 and 22, he lists the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and what? Peace. Without the Holy Spirit in our life, there will be a, a lacking of this peace that he talks about. In fact, I'm convinced that when we do not have Christ in our life, the Holy Spirit, and our Father in heaven, it is impossible for anyone to experience this perfect peace. We may experience Types of peace, but not perfect peace. You think about the types of peace. Have you ever maybe experienced a false sense of peace? You ever 
watch someone just relaxing right before the storm hits. We've got a, a border collie and a cat. And the border collie is the sweetest thing in all the world, except for my dog. The cat is a demon cat, I'm telling you. And that cat will come up, and, and the dog will be laying there, and the cat will come up, and she'll just start licking the dog's nose and licking her hair and licking her ears and just giving her a, a, a kitty bath. I mean, just bathing her in love. And that dog just is loving it. The cat will stop, and the dog will do its paw like this, and the cat will keep going. And, and you just sit there, and you watch and say, man, that is a picture of peace, unless you know the cat. Because the cat will lull that dog into this sense of false peace, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that cat will just clamp down and bite. And we sit there and we think, the dog doesn't even know what's coming. <laughs> Have you and I ever been caught like that in this life when we thought everything was okay? And someone was probably watching us say, they don't even realize what's about to hit. I think that every time a young couple comes to me wanting to get married. <laughs> oh, they're so in love. And I sit back and I think, they don't even know what's about to hit them. Or every time a young couple comes and says, man, we're pregnant, we're going to have kids. I say, praise the Lord. Walk away. They don't even know what's about to happen. <laughs> we fall into these false senses of peace, don't we? But with God, there is this perfect peace. And it is real. There is nothing false about it. We have to put our trust in Him. God's Word is a source for peace. Psalms 119 and 165 says this, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. And when we talk about loving the Word of God, it's more than just, you know, I have Bibles that I love, that just, I love the Bible itself. I've got one that's from Scotland, that, and I love it. It's made by a special shop over there, and it's got real nice leather, and I, I wouldn't even have to look at it to tell you I love that Bible. But he's talking about more than that when he says those who love your law. He's talking about those who love what God has written in his law. And more than just loving the words. And the Bible is a beautiful book, isn't it? In fact, you know, we have different versions. And I preach many times out of the English Standard Version. And, but I grew up on the King James Version. And i got to tell you, there is probably nothing more beautiful than some of the passages in the King James Version of the Bible. They're so poetic. And, and the way they're written is just amazing. He's talking about more than just they love the way it's written. When he talks about this idea of great peace, have those who love your law, he's talking about those who read it and those who apply it to their life and live by it. James says that there's a blessing for those that are not just hearers of the word, but they're doers. And so there's a certain peace that comes from those who get into God's word, and, and it is true, isn't it? I can't tell you how many times, and you know this if you're a believer, that you sit down to read your Bible, maybe you're following a devotional guide, maybe you're planning going along with a, a reading a plan for the Bible to read through it in a certain period of time, but it isn't amazing how God seems to bring passages to light to you at just the right time? Whatever you're going through, and all of a sudden this passage pops up and says, oh man, this is good. This fits so well with what I'm going through. So God's a source. Holy Spirit's a source of peace. The Word of God is a source of peace. But ultimately this morning, Jesus Christ is not just a source of peace. Jesus Christ is our peace. In the streets of Missouri today, they're marching and they're saying, no justice, no peace. And i got to tell you, no Jesus, no peace. And that's what's going on in many hearts. Not just in Missouri, but that's what's going on in the hearts of those 
in Iraq. That's what's going on in Syria. That's what's going on in Gaza. And you know what? That's what's going on in the hearts of people right here in our own country today. With no Jesus, there is no peace. Listen to Ephesians 2, 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, Paul has just described what life is outside of Christ. He talks about us being children of wrath. He talks about us being, you know, just walking the course of this world. We're not even in control of our own lives. That We're in a rut, if you will, and Satan is really dictating the course of our lives. And so he describes the lost condition, but then he comes to this passage and says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And then look at verse 14. It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And what he's describing here is the Jew and the Gentile. But Jesus came along, and he broke down that wall, and he said, no longer is, are we going to look at this as Jew and Gentile. I'm the Savior of all. And I'm going to take both of these people, and I'm going to put them together in the body of Christ. And the thing that unites them is going to be Jesus Christ himself. He says, Jesus Christ himself is our peace. And not only does he bring these two groups together, and they have peace because of what Christ does in their life, but now he unites us to God, and we have peace with God. Verse 16, he says, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. We have peace with God because of what Jesus did for us at Calvary. Amen? How many of you realize that as Americans, we've got a lot of enemies in this world? But I'll take any of them and still have peace with God. I do not want to be at odds with God. And he says Christ came to be our peace, to give us this peaceful relationship with God. John 16 and 33, these are Jesus' words. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus is our source of peace. He comes along and he's that. And this morning, if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're searching for peace in this life, you've got to come to the cross. That's the only way you're going to find perfect peace. doesn't mean that there won't be storms around you. It doesn't mean there won't be trials in this world. It doesn't mean there won't be doctor's appointments and tests. and doesn't mean there won't be financial struggles and difficulties. But what it means is in the midst of all these things, there's going to be a perfect peace going on. My heart is right with God. I'm, I'm at peace with God. How do we find this peace? He says, you keep him in perfect peace, Lord, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This morning, if you want perfect peace, the very first step is, God, I'm deciding right now, right here, that I'm going to focus my heart and my mind on you. That I'm going to trust you with my whole life. When we do that, we find this perfect peace. I want you to stand with me quietly.